Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. Blessed are those whose inside world is reflected in their outside behavior. Blessed are those who are free from a self-centered need for approval, free of feelings of shame or unworthiness, free to see God and recognize that they are created in His image. Blessed are those whose motivations and desires stem from their faith, for they will know God more clearly and love others more abundantly. For they will know God more clearly. For they will know God more clearly. For they will know God more clearly and love others more abundantly. That comes right at the start of Jesus' greatest teaching called the Sermon on the Mount. He starts with a series of blessings that we call the Beatitudes, and that's one of it. Let's, let's put it in context, can we? Would you join me in proclaiming God's word by reading the bold face print? Seeing the crowds, Jesus went up on the mountain. And when he sat down, his disciples came to him and he took a deep breath and he taught them, saying, Blessed are those who mourn for they shall be comforted. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be satisfied. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. And blessed are those who are persecuted for the sake of righteousness. Theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when others revile you and utter all kinds of evil and persecute you falsely on my account. Rejoice, be glad, for your reward is great in heaven. And that's the blessings, the Beatitudes. It's frankly a little complicated sometimes. Uh, I finished uh, the studies that I was doing early this week, and I I took a group of books down the hallway to Petey, because he's preaching next week, and I I put them on his desk. And I got an email about 20 minutes later that said, really? (laughs) Look at this. There's dozens more where that came from. There are dozens of different ways to look at just the Beatitudes, How do you deal with all those things that don't feel like blessings? Well, one common way is to divide them in half. To say that the first part of the Beatitudes are what you might call the great reversal. That Jesus blesses people with a vision of the kingdom of heaven with the great reversal. And here's what those Beatitudes would look like. Blessed are the poor, now they'll inherit heaven. Blessed are the hungry, now they'll be filled to the brim. Blessed are those who are humiliated and powerless, now they'll inherit the earth. And blessed are the brokenhearted, for you will be comforted beyond your wildest dreams. The great reversal of our circumstances. 
The next set of Beatitudes, the next five Beatitudes, are what we might call not the great reversal, but the great reward. The great reward of heaven for those who start to walk toward heaven with Jesus will look very different than what we think of as success. So for instance, Jesus talks about the rewards of virtue. Blessed are the pure in heart, you'll see God. Blessed are those who show mercy, you'll receive mercy and grace. Blessings on you who make peace, you'll be called the children of God. And yes, even even blessings on you when you're persecuted for doing the right thing, you're close to the kingdom of heaven. How could you wade through all that? I suppose one way is that you could give a series of lectures, but that's not what Jesus did. When Jesus taught this, mostly he would give a little tidbit, blessed are the pure in heart, they'll see God. And then he would tell a story to show why it meant something. If Jesus were here, he might say, there was a little baby girl who was born right before the Great Depression in the 1920s. And she was born to a normal family, but she was blind, never saw a thing her whole life. And she grew up blind through the depression, and she was alone after her parents died. And then at 40, still blind, she found someone who married her, and they lived together until he went blind as well. And until the 1980s, things would never change, but A doctor came to her when she was 62 years old and said, Anna, her name was Anna Penica, Anna, would you like me to try something? I'm not guaranteeing it, but you might be able to see a little. So at 62, she had surgery on her right eye, and when she woke up after the surgery, she could see 2030. First time in her whole life. Can you imagine what that was like? To see the ocean that you've just heard? To look up at the mountains? To see the face of your child for the first time? To look into the face of a man who has loved you, whom you never really saw before? And not only was that a miracle, but because she was living among the blind in that that community and her husband couldn't see, now what's it like to see when nobody else can see. What's it like to see what nobody else can see? And Jesus would say, that's what I'm talking about. That's what it feels like. Because we live in the mist. Even those of us with eyes, we live in the fog of the turmoil of this world. And between the wars and the economy and the social issues and raising a family and worrying about what happens tomorrow, it's hard to see. And a 24-7 media floods our senses and robs us of sight. It robs our souls of sight. Maybe we need to figure, what would it be like if I closed my eyes? Who's the most famous blind person you know? Helen Keller. That's right, this is Helen Keller, from, again, from the last century. Never saw. She started to see with her hands when she would touch other people. Grew to have a rich life. But one time, somebody came up to her and said, Miss Keller, isn't it terrible to be blind? 
And apparently without batting an eye, she turned and said, better to be blind and see with your heart than to have two good eyes and see nothing. Wow. So what Jesus is talking about is, blessed are the pure in heart, they'll see God, the eyes of their heart will be open. I'd like to have 2020 spiritual vision. I'd like to see what God sees. I'd like to, to see what it's really like in this world. Because it's very different than what the news talks about or even what I hear about on the phone. The prophet Elisha from the Old Testament understood that. That it's not what you see is what you get. Elisha is a prophet and he's got one of his little apprentices in the house with him and the apprentice wakes up one morning and looks out the window and surrounding the entire town that they're in is an enemy army about to crush everyone in the city. And he runs into Elijah and he says, save us, save us, they're gonna kill us all. And Elijah wakes up, looks out the window and he says, oh, don't worry about it. Don't worry, they're gonna kill us all. He says, don't worry about it. There's more with us than there are against us. And the guy's looking out the window and he goes, there's nobody for us. And then Elijah, it says, prayed, Lord, Open this young man's eyes so that he can see. And then the Lord opened the servant's eyes and he looked up and he saw the hills filled with chariots and horses of fire all around Elisha. The army of God won the day because he saw what God saw when all around him people were just looking at the Dow Jones. I go, wow, I want that. Wouldn't you like, wouldn't you feel a little more comfortable with where your life is really going if you could see God, if God could just say, this way, this way. At first blush, that sounds great, but I I gotta tell you, think again. Would you really like to see God? Because that would mean that God would see you. In the Old Testament, people were terrified of seeing God because they thought they would die immediately because he was holy and pure and all the bad stuff in us would kill us like flies. As a matter of fact, the prophet Isaiah talks about that. He says, in the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord high and lifted up and the, the train of his robe filled the temple. And I said, dude, this is so cool. That's not what Isaiah said. No, Isaiah instead said, woe is me. Woe is me because I am a man of unclean lips. My lips are filthy, what they think and what they say. And I live among a people of unclean lips. No better than I am. I'm a man of unclean lips and I have seen the living God. Blessed are the pure in heart, they'll see God. Do you really want to have God see you? Jesus says only the pure in heart can see God. He's, he's actually probably quoting the Psalms. We, we read part of that Psalm in your call to worship this morning. It was from Psalm 24. It says, who can ascend the hill of the Lord and stand in God's holy presence? The one who has clean hands and a pure heart. Well, I can wash my hands, but I'm not sure about the pure heart. Can I just give you two thoughts about what it would be like if you felt right now like you needed a new heart. 
If you wanted to become more of a person who could see God, I I think first you'd start with the idea that none of us are pure. None of us are there. If you feel like you are at all impure, just raise your hand. We got everybody except a seven-year-old boy last night, and his dad raised his hand for him. (laughs) And and the reality is that we all acknowledge that, yeah, yeah, but you know why we don't feel bad? Because it's so much easier to see impurity in her or impurity in him than it is in the mirror. So when the scriptures talk about being made pure, the primary image they use is being cleansed, being washed clean. From the inside first and then the outside, you are clean so that you could stand in God's presence. But it starts internally and it comes across very differently than we think. Don't give a lecture, tell a story. Some were confident that they were pure And they looked down on everybody else, so Jesus told a story. Two men went up to the temple to pray, a Pharisee and a tax collector, a pastor and a mafia guy. The pastor, the Pharisee, stood by himself, and he prayed, God, thank you that I'm not like these others, these sinners, the evildoers and the adulterers and the robbers. Thank God that I'm not like that mafia guy, that tax collector over there. Twice a week, I fast without food. I give 10% of everything I have back to the church. He thinks he's pure because he's shiny, because the outside looks good. Jesus goes on. But the mafia guy, the tax collector, wouldn't even go to the front of the church He wouldn't even look up to heaven, but he kept beating his breast and saying, God, have mercy on me. God, I'm a sinner, have mercy. God, have mercy on me. Jesus says, I'm telling you the truth. It's the tax collector, not the priest, that went home pure before God. Everybody who lifts themselves up will get humbled, and everybody who humbles themselves will be lifted up. Purity doesn't come by trying harder. Purity doesn't come by pretending we're better than the other person. Purity, this idea of being cleansed, is mostly about integrity. Now, our use of the word integrity means that you can trust me to do my word. But integrity in the Bible meant what you see is what you get. A person with integrity didn't act different with this crowd than the other, and who they were on the inside was who they were on the outside. Standing before God, just as I am. That's where that song comes from. Standing before God, just as I am, and receiving the mercy of Jesus. Then you can stand before God, and you can stand before other people, and you do not have to pretend anymore because you are pure in the sense that you are integrous. The Pharisees were all about show. Jesus wanted people to have a new heart. I don't want you to clean it up. I want to give you a new heart altogether. Last week I talked about my dad, born in 1910. Dad Dad was born in his aunt's house, like many people, and was taken in a carriage back to his mom's farm in a carriage, 1910. 
He lived to see both the rise of the Soviet Union and its defeat. He was taken home in a carriage and saw a person walk on the face of the moon. But he said to me that the biggest thing in his whole life was that he got to watch on TV as a doctor went to a dead man and cut the heart out of that dead man and took it across the room and put it in a sick person and put paddles on it and shocked the heart. And the person lived with a new heart. It seemed to him like a miracle. Blessed are the pure in heart. Not because I try harder, but because God gives me a new heart. Just like that, I, I need to learn to live differently. I gotta treat this heart well. And, and, and so Jesus would say the key to learning to live like you've got a purifying heart is not to act for anybody else, but to act for God. He'll say in the next chapter, when you fast, don't let anybody know. When you give, don't tell anybody. When you pray, do it alone. If other people applaud you, you're losing the idea that you're becoming my child. Do these things in private so only the Father will reward you. Practice does not make perfect. Practice does not make pure. Practice starts to reshape us a little and it clears our eyes up. So if the first idea of being pure is that you get washed clean with a new heart, the second mark of the pure who see God is the focus of their eyes. You see me, I see you. What's the focus today of your eyes? Let me, uh, let me like this. How many of you have ever been on the great room or some other setting and uh, you're talking with somebody and we're talking and all of a sudden out of the corner of my eye, I see somebody over there that I really want to talk to. I need to talk to them and they start walking by this way and I'm, I'm talking to you, but really I'm watching them. I'm talking to you and now they can tell that I'm not talking, listening to them at all. How many of you have ever done that? How many of you are in the setting next to somebody that just lied? And more than that, how many of you have ever walked up to somebody and started talking and have the idea that they were paying attention to you as long as something better didn't come along? What Jesus is talking about is the pure in heart concentrate. They stare so that they can see where Jesus breaks into the world. Paul says, all of us see dimly. It's like through a, a dim mirror, but we see shadows there where God's at work. And the more we stare, the more we see Jesus at work. And he says, at the end, we'll see it face to face. So that's why, that's why Jesus wants you to read scripture because you'll see who Jesus really is and you'll remember a little bit when you go out there. That's why Jesus wants you to talk to him so that you get in the practice of talking to God and seeing God in your life. That's why you come to church even on days when it's deathly boring because when you change your regular routine and say that there is a God and I want somehow to sense this God's presence, then you start to see God. That's why, that's, that's why I tell you, I want so much for you to learn to give wildly generously, to give joyfully, because when you unclench your hands, 
you free up your soul. And you see Jesus. You want to see Jesus? Spend some time with poor people. You want to see Jesus? Serve poor people. Jesus seems to say, you serve them, you see me. The pure in heart are not the ones who focus on themselves. They, they look intently. They learn to look intently for what Jesus is. And they do not take themselves very seriously. That's maybe the last thing that the pure in heart, they don't take themselves too seriously. Uh, Laura and I went to uh, uh, a church in London uh, called All Souls because a famous, world famous preacher named John Stott was there. It had been his church for over 40 years. And we were fortunate because Dr. Stott was preaching that day and they had the hymn right before the sermon. And he didn't, he goes to the back, the chancel, and back there they have a little kneeler and he kneels through the whole hymn, and when the music stops, he gets up and he comes in to preach. We, I, I thought, well, that's sort of cool. But I, we have a friend who is a friend now of Stott's, and at the very beginning, he, he turned to Reverend Stott, and he said, you know, I just, I admire you more than anybody I know. I wish I could be like you. John Stott turned to him and said, if you could see me the way that God sees me, you'd spit in my face. That's who I am on the inside. And he said, you know why I go and kneel? I go and I kneel over there so that I can be reminded that Jesus is with me. I want people to see Jesus, not me. We talked last week about Eugene Peterson who translated the Bible. He talks about it this way. He, he says, Scripture doesn't present us with a system of doctrine, things to believe. It doesn't present us with a list of things to believe and say, think like this and you'll live. And the Bible doesn't set out a moral code and tell us, live up to this and you'll live. The biblical way, they called us followers of the way, the biblical way tells a story. And in the telling of the story, it invites us in. It's not live up to this, it's live into this. Follow me. This is what it looks like to be God-made in a God-ruled world. You want to be pure. You, you want to see God. Jesus was in a town one time and a blind person who had never seen in his whole life came up and Jesus touched him, healed him, and walked away. The guy saw for the first time, jumped up and went crazy. This is unbelievable. This is so great. He runs home to his mom and dad. Says, mom, dad. Your mom, right? Mom, dad. And they have a celebration. The celebration is ruined when the Pharisees come up and say, we heard Jesus did something wrong. Mom and dad, did he really make this kid see? Mom and dad are so scared. They go, uh, I don't know, ask him. And so the Pharisees turn to the man and say, this couldn't have been Jesus' work. He's from the devil. Did he really cure you? And the guy says, I, I don't know. All I know, all I know is I heard this Jesus and once I was blind and now I see. Guys, do you want to follow him too? Let's go find him. And instead they threw him out of the synagogue. They said, get out of here. So he's wandering the streets, able to see for the first time in his life. And the, and the story says, and Jesus found him. I love that. Jesus found him like he'll find you. You screw up and you will. 
Jesus will find you. It says, Jesus found him and stood in front of him. And the man said, was it you? And Jesus said, yes. And said, the man bent to his knees and worshiped him and begged to be able to go with Jesus everywhere. Because blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God and they won't settle for anything less. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, I thank you for this group of sisters and brothers. Some of them who are like me, they, they want to see you as long as it's comfortable. We want to see you as long as it's nice. But God, I, I pray that today you will heal our hearts that through Jesus you will make us pure and whole and that we will see you at work in the world. I pray today, right now, that you will comfort those who are afflicted and you will afflict those who are comfortable because you're the God who loves us. Father and Son and Holy Ghost. Amen.